Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the RouterFlex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast, we have co-founder and CEO Sean Moore of TrueFace the world's leading computer vision solutions. TrueFace offers face recognition, object recognition, threat detection, age analysis, license plate recognition, and more. You can visit them at trueface.ai. If you're into tech and artificial intelligence and you know machine learning and facial recognition and that type of stuff, you're going to love this episode. I really enjoyed my conversation with Sean Moore. I think you will too. Appreciate you tuning into the RiderFlex podcast. Sean Moore, great to have you on the RiderFlex podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I really uh, appreciate it. You guys got a cool story. Um, why don't we do this though? Before we get into uh, you know all the the true face you know stuff, tell us about you personally. Walk us through you know where Sean grew up, where he went to school, maybe some family history. Is that cool? That's absolutely cool. I grew up in a suburb north of the city of Chicago and uh, had always wanted to play college football. And so when I was on that, that recruiting trail, um, I was looking at Columbia on the East Coast and then all in the South and ended up at SMU. Um, they had a traditionally a very good football program that, that took some heat in the 80s. Um, I know, right, right, right. So you went to SMU on football scholarship? Uh, not on scholarship. So that, that's, a, that's a funny story. I had committed to Columbia out on the East Coast, okay. and their coaching staff was fired uh, a couple of months before the season was supposed to start. And so as a recruit, they said, you know, you can come here and, and go to school, but we can't guarantee you play football. And I said, well, that's why I was going to Columbia. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I had a couple of months to figure out where I could play football at and, and know that, that I would play. And, um, you know, I had some friends that had some ties to us and you, and they said, the coaches will give you, will give you a, a look. And so I went down that went down there, trained with them, uh, you know, caught some passes and. Oh, were and, you a receiver? Were you, were you a receiver? What, how, how, what are, how tall are you? Uh, six one. Six one. Okay. All right. Cool. And had you been to Dallas before? I had not. No. No. Okay. All right. It's a little hot in the summer compared to Chicago. Yeah. It's one and out real quick, especially when you're playing on turf with you know, 20 pounds of gear on. So. Right. <laughs> okay. So that's how you got the SMU. So I, I went down there for my tryouts. Uh, coaches said you can play here. And that's the day I made the decision. Awesome. All right. Very good. Now at that point early on um did you know what you wanted to do with your life or you're just like I just know I want to try to play football and hang out now uh, you know I knew I wanted to be uh, part of the football team and, and I also had a just a, an upbringing of, of financial professionals around my both mom and dad's side of the family so you know going into the business school was pretty important to me there um it was a, a pretty uh, competitive business school and so you know I, I focused in on grades as well as football um, okay. but I knew I wanted to be in, in the financial space um, uh, uh, that's why you, that's why you went to work for Merrill Lynch as an analyst. 
that is correct. Oh, what'd your what'd your folks do? Uh, my dad was a trader at the Board of Trade. I see. Okay. All right. So that whole that's that's how you started early on in that space. I was wondering what the tieback was. Yeah, my mom was three boys, so I don't know what was a harder. Uh, harder. Uh, okay, are you the oldest? I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Okay, were the other two athletes as well? Uh, they were. They didn't play in college, but they were they were very good at what they did, and they both played football and basketball. Okay, so let's just let that sink in for the listeners. So for parents that have three sons that play sports in high school, you guys were busy, right? Very. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but those were good times, weren't they? They were. They were fun. They were fun. Okay. All right. Very good. So you get down there. You, okay. So you get out of SMU. Um, did you have the entrepreneurial bug then? I mean, were you thinking I'm going to be an entrepreneur? I mean, any of that in there? Yeah, I just really didn't know. Um, and I had always been taught to find out what you don't want to do fast. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, you know, 2008 was still, was still fresh uh, when I graduated college uh -huh. and the allure of being an investment banker, you know, it, it, it took a step back. Okay. And so, you know, wanted to go back home to Chicago, wanted to work, you know, in an investment bank or in the industry and spent a, you know, a few months taking the serious exams. I passed level one of the CFA and you know, was going very heavily down that route. And, and one day just realized you know, this isn't where I want to be in 30 years. Mm. And I was taking a look at the people around me and, and they were happy or at least perceptively happy. And, you know, they had been there for 30 plus years. And mm -hmm. so, and I think I was 23 years old at 23. I, I took a deep breath and said, this isn't for yeah, me. This, this, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do this, <laughs> but you didn't know what you wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had started a, a small company in college with my now CTO. Um, and so like, I, you know, I had an idea for what entrepreneurship was okay. and, and you know, what starting an at, you know, incorporating a company meant and, and all that. So okay. He had done that for about nine months in college uh, in the financial services okay. area. Okay. So you know, I had an idea for what it was and, and I got back in touch with him and, and he's originally from, uh, we grew up in the UAE, but uh, his okay. family really relocated to North Africa. Okay. So we were talking and he said, why don't you come out here to, to Casablanca and we'll work on some ideas. Uh, let me let me just pause there for a minute. I, I'd be like, hmm, let me think. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes, I'll come. <laughs> well, I, I, it wasn't as easy as, as a yes, you know, coming from a, a family that was in Chicago. And, and uh, you know, I remember my dad saying, you know, write me a letter for why you want to move out there and, and give up you know, this comfortable job. And Oh, you know, oh, I like that from your dad, actually. Okay, I kind of like that. I mean, that's him kind of pushing you a little bit. All right. Oh. I put are you in my mom. Yeah, I was just saying that my mom said, you know, can I come with? So that'll give you the idea of the of the two personalities there. <laughs> oh wow, your dad made you write a letter to go and your mom said, I want to go with you. That's funny. All right, cool. So you go you went? Yeah, I bought a one way ticket out to North Africa and uh didn't know when I'd come back and, and didn't know what I'd be working on. And you know, I got out there and, and we're traveling up and down the coast of Morocco thinking about stuff that we can work on. And, and you know, I think it, it was important at that time, that was early 2012. It was really important at that time for, for myself and, and my business partner to be somewhat isolated. Okay. Because when you don't have the kind of buzz of a big city or 
the distraction of, of a bunch of social media and all that, you can really focus in on, you know, what trends you're seeing are and, and what you think the, you know, the future of human evolution will be. And so we really started to look introspectively at, you know, can we start a business together? What does that, what does that entail? What's the personal cost on that? And then if so, what, you know, what division of the world do we want to, do we want to look at in, now, how are you? How are you deciding this? Are you sitting around a campfire, like doing some mushrooms or something, and trying to have <laughs> and trying to have visions, or like how are you? How's this coming to you? <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time at a surf hostel. Um, in, <laughs> Very in good. A, in a small town called Hagazoot. Okay, uh, good. So, you know, we were there, and we'd go surfing in the morning, come back, and, and just sit and, and truly think and, and write together. Wow. And um, you know, it, it became apparent that we had the the drive to do it, the dedication to do it. And the next, the next piece of that was, okay, well now we have to figure out something that we want to work on that we're okay. passionate about. Right. And we, we came across a paper, or we were looking at things like Kickstarter and, and kind of the hardware revolution at the time. Okay. And we came across a paper from, I believe it was the FBI who was switching one of their databases from fingerprint to facial recognition. Okay. And we sat back and thought about that for a few days and said, okay, if, if they're looking at switching an entire database from, you know, identification through fingerprint to face recognition, why is that? And, you know, the advent of social media, we started picking up on these trends of, well, people are uploading images of themselves to the internet daily. They're comfortable with it. Facial recognition is a passive form, so you're not having to actively put your thumb on something. We can capture identity as you approach a camera. And it just be, became clear to us in 2012 that facial recognition would be the way to identify humans okay. in 10 years. Okay. Yeah. You saw it. You say, hey, I think this is an opportunity. It's probably going to explode. Let's see if we can get on the wave. Speaking of surfing, you were like, <laughs> okay, let's, let's catch this wave. Exactly. Uh, all right. Now, were either one of you developers or tech, tech guys? Oh, uh, we weren't. Um, we were not. We were both. Uh, we both studied finance in college. Okay. And so the, the next step for us was was learning that piece. And we, we started by hiring an agency to help us build some prototyping. And, and we sunk, you know, we sunk money into something that that we weren't really happy with. And so where was the cash coming from? Uh, we've both saved up money. I mean, okay. work, working at the bank, you can't really spend that money when you're working that much. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So you both, so you're both kind of putting in your own money at this. You're, you're living off your own cash. You're bootstrapping. Cor correct. We were living off our own cash. And then all uh, of a sudden you're bootstrapping paying developers, which is not cheap. Yeah. It's very difficult to do that, especially at that time. Mm. And so we were trying, you know, trying to make things work here and there and, we spent, you know, this is over the course of 12 or so months, and we spent some time, you know, reflecting on which one of us is going to is going to have to take this role over truly. And uh, um, uh, you know, gotcha. we knew we had to have the internal talent to do it. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. I ended up um, going over to, to Oxford in the UK to study engineering for a semester. And he said, well, I'll take it and, and I'll try to teach myself at home. And it's funny because he's, he's significantly better at it than I am after that period of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you both are like, all right, we, we, I mean, I, I may not be a full blown developer, but I want to know, I got to, I got to learn a little bit so that, uh, okay, got it. Good yeah. move. Good move. And, and, you know, we, we, we kind of came back together and said, all right, who's advanced be, you know, beyond the other one. And, and he was you know 10 times better than I was at it. And okay. he's now today the one that's architected our entire system. I see. And so, then that, that pushed you into, Hey, 
okay, so he's doing all that. Now, all of a sudden, let me guess, that's how you became the face of the company and handled relations and investors and all that. I'm just guessing. Exactly. You know, there had to be a split of, yep. of responsibility and okay. it was okay. natural at that stage. Um, you know, I, I liked being in front of people. I like talking to people. I like telling stories. So it was just kind of a natural progression into that. Um, I wouldn't say that he, he isn't capable of doing it. He definitely is, but we had to, we had to shift you know, resources. Yeah. We, we just had to shift and, and we had to focus on what we were the best at. You know? Yeah, so, no, that, I think that's great. That's a nice balance for your, for your, okay. So at this point you come back, it's still just you and him. Still just me and him. Uh, I ended up spending more time in London as a somewhat of a test bed for me. I was taking oh. acting classes. Uh oh, oh, really? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's go. Okay. All right. Well, did, were you thinking? Yeah, I got a little business, but I might want to be an actor. What? What? Where's that? Talk no, no. Me. I was taking those classes to to get comfortable presenting in front of public in, in front of the public. Really? You mean you were that, so that was a strategic move on your part because you were thinking I want to get good at pitching, I want to get good at talking, interview. Okay, all right. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder you're so damn good. I was doing my, I was watching you on YouTube before the interview. I was like, okay, let me let me check this guy out. I was looking you up. I saw the interviews on camera, you know. And then I'm like, oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Okay, so all right, good for you. That was a strategic move on your part. Nice. I like that. Okay. Very strategic, and and we talked about, you know, my, my partner and I talked about it before, and and I said if I can, you know, if I can work out the kinks over here in London, I can come back to San Francisco and be polished and, and be ready to go. Great move. Good move. So you know, spent a lot of time with just kind of self development there. Um, learning from other entrepreneurs there, pitching VCs that, you know, I had no reason to be in front of, um, but just to get in front of them, Love see it. what the conversations went like, and then move back to the U.S. And, and we spent some time bouncing around the U.S. Uh, we moved back to Dallas together. Uh, so he moved from North Africa back to Dallas. We were living in a studio uh, together. Are you, are you getting, are you getting a little bit of help from your parents at that point? How are you, pay, how are you guys eating? How are you living financially? Yeah, I mean, very, very, very little bit of help from parents. Okay. Um, we, had, we at that point too, uh, we're starting to to set like starting to manufacture product or starting to work on products. So we raised a little bit of money from friends and family. Okay. So you raised, raised raised a little seed cash. Okay. Raised a little seed cash. You know, got us through kind of the ideation phase into into some of the development phase. Can and I ask you when you when you asked for that first little set of seed money, what was you what did you tell them you were building? What was what did you tell him it was? <laughs> we were building a facial recognition enabled doorbell. Um, that's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. I'm just going to pretend like I'm your dad for a second because I, I I'm probably old enough to be. Uh, so you're going to you're going to I'm listen. We're going to have a doorbell that's kind of facial recognition, which means it's going to recognize the face and what unlock the door. Exactly, unlock okay. the door and customize the house. Okay, and at that time, what year was that? 2013. Nobody else was doing that then. No one else is doing that. Our only competitor in the market was Doorbot, who became Ring. Got it. Okay, so cool. All right, so that's how you got some early seed money. Okay, and you're off, and you now you're working on this doorbell. Okay, I'm with you so far. All right. Working <laughs> on the doorbell, uh, living with it, you know, living two feet from one another. You know, it, it became funny because it's true when you spend that much time with, you know, with someone, it's a relationship, and there's no, you know, there's no getting around that. And there were points where we'd be so upset at each other that we'd be sitting next to each other with headphones on and not talking to each other, <laughs> you know, face to face. We'd, we'd be sending messages on the computer. <laughs> That's but, funny. That's and I, those stressful moments probably came when you were looking at a checking account and you're going, "Okay, we only have this much money left." And by the way, <laughs> and by the way, why'd you buy that? We didn't need that. Why'd you spend? <laughs> exactly. You know, 
there, there's a lot of there's a lot of early on i think there's a lot of ego and decision making and something that we had to learn and that i think we've, cool. we we've learned very well is you know bringing it back to well why are we even making the decision in the first place it's to better the company and you know i don't care who's right or wrong it's is this going to take us a step forward or a step back mm. and if you want to own that decision you own it but then you also own the responsibility of being wrong there okay so, yeah i love i love the fact that you're speaking about your relationship and by the way he, your co-founder is still there right you guys are still yeah, together yeah. i love yeah. that i love i love that that you guys work through this all right so you're moving along on the doorbell thing now at some point at some point you you pivot or something walk us through that yeah well so from there we we got into boomtown uh, it was a colorado boulder based uh, accelerator program oh, okay okay all right first class and that moved us from from dallas to colorado uh oh, man, I Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you know, I live in Colorado. I don't, I don't know if you realize that or not, but that's where I'm at. I'm like 30 minutes from Boulder. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. You probably know that the guys there. I uh, probably do. Yep. I probably do. <laughs> so, you know, we, we found out and I think three weeks later we had to pick up, um, move our stuff and drive to Colorado. So had you been to Colorado yet? Had you been to Boulder? I had never been to Boulder. No. Pretty cool town, isn't it, bro? It's I mean, phenomenal town. I really, I mean, we really, really liked it there. Um, phenomenal town. So, yeah, ph- all right. So you're there. I, I so you're, 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 yeah, yeah, it's great. I love, love, I love, I've been in Colorado for 14 years. I, I will never go anywhere else. Uh, all right. So you get here now the accelerator, did they, did they, uh, did they take a little piece of the business at that point? Can you share that or no? They did. Um, yep. yeah, for cash. And so okay. that was okay. kind of the next iteration of, of how we got by. Um, but all right. You know, all right. We, we did the whole, the whole startup story where we're living on blow up mattresses that work well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was you know eating the, the the snacks that they had at the office for lunch and stuff like that so you know at, at that point you, you I think you have to somewhat go through the the just the realization that you know there is no net behind you this is this is all or none and I think that forces you to work harder and it forces you to to advocate for yourself more and and if you realize there's only one one path here and that's forward, um, I, I think you're just hungrier. You, you work harder. I, so. Amen. And I just want to take, I just wanted to pause there for a minute. I think that's really critical for the listeners for our podcast. Yeah. Once you're sleeping on the floor and you're eating snacks at the office for lunch, um, it, it will drive the hell out of you. I mean, you, you will, you, you wake up every day going, if I don't, if I don't hustle my ass off, I'm not going to eat. Right. Like I got to, I mean, you, you, like there's no check that's just going to come in just because, right. You, right. you know, yeah, it, it will, it will drive the hell out of you for sure. When you're in that, when you're in that situation. Uh, yep. My, my uh, metaphor is, you know, I can only imagine, you know, uh, back in the, back in the day when if you didn't wake up and go hunt food, you were not going to eat. It wasn't just going <laughs> to, so you're hustling your ass off at this point. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So we, we spent, you know, we ended up raising some money out of that program in Colorado and, you know, starting to, 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 to look at manufacturing facilities. And so we ended up getting a grant from the Colombian government. Um, Great job. Great job. Okay. Which, which was just kind of an interesting thing altogether, but we had to, to put an office in, in Medellin. And so, whoa, raised- whoa. <laughs> okay. That, all right. We're still manufacturing doorbells. I promise. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, that, that, that leads us down a whole path of possible questions. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're, we're never mind. I won't ask where the money actually came from. No. <laughs> all right. 
got a grant, opened an office down there. Uh, I was spending about two weeks every six weeks down there, and we started to build a team down there. Really? Were you ever nervous or worried or kind of like every time you went down there, were you, were you, or was it fine? Uh, you know, the, the first night that I was there, um, they were, I was woken up with gunshots. Holy yeah, uh, wow. I could, I could hear gunshots out the window. And I asked the, our, the, the people that were hosting us there, you know, what that was the next day. And they're like, oh, they were celebrating some, some soccer victory. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. So now you, all right. So you got, all right. So, so the, the accelerator in Boulder, you got some cash from that. Now you got the grant. Okay. All right. So you're doing okay on money uh, in terms of the business. And, you know, I, I do want to say one thing. Columbia was a, an incredible place to be. I love the people down there. Yeah. I didn't feel unsafe at any point after that. Um, yeah, it's good for us to bring that up. We're kind of joking around on the podcast, but anybody listening that's from there, like, I don't want them to think we're dogging it or anything. Yeah. Uh, you, watch too many, you watch too many movies love, and you just make these assumptions. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you right now that they're some of the kindest people in the world. Awesome. They want to help. They're intelligent. And awesome. They're awesome. Uh, okay. yeah, I, I really like it down there. Um, All right, so cool. We are manufacturing. We got into another pro, and this is kind of throughout time. We got into another another program out in San Francisco. Uh, I moved out to San Francisco. My CTO was still in Columbia doing some work down there, and and then we brought the company all up to San Francisco. And so we were, you know, hiring people up. I think we were about ten people at that point. Did you move to San Francisco because somebody there gave you some cash and, or you were trying to raise cash there? Why, why the move there? Uh, we, we got into this program called ReadWrite and oh, it was another more advisory based accelerator, not, not as hands-on as the Boomtown one was. Okay. Um, but it was you know, we'd always heard that we had to be there. We had to be in the mix and it was an excuse, you know, frankly to go and, and, and we, we got together with some intelligent people and some people that, you know, could help us get into that market. Okay. So went through that program. Uh, we're still, you know, we're finally manufacturing these units. We're getting them on people's houses. We're getting. Where were, who were you selling them to? Uh, we were selling them to small businesses and, and homeowners. I mean, you were selling them direct to consumer, like through so e-commerce actually, or how direct, you were selling them direct to consumer. Yeah. We had a website. Oh, oh we, wow. Okay. So you didn't sell into like Lowe's or Home Depot or anything. No, those conversations, you know, we were having those conversations, but you have to have some pretty big manufacturing runs to, to yep. feed that demand. And yep. until we got, you know, big manufacturing financing, we just couldn't do it. Where were you, where were you making them when you were selling the, the ones to direct to consumer? Were you making them in the garage or where were you making them? In Columbia. Oh, oh okay. Gotcha. So yep, we were got shipping it. them from Columbia to San Francisco and then, and then shipping them out. Okay. And so, you know, we had some initial success. Uh, people were happy with them and... We went back to the market to raise money and said, okay, we've manufactured a hundred of these. We need X amount of dollars to go manufacture a couple thousand of these. Okay. And we had a very, very difficult time raising money. And a lot of what we heard was from the big hardware investors was they'd already placed their hardware bets in 2013. And, you know, they, they weren't going to double down on it until they saw how those came out. Okay. And we understood it. It was just a very, you know, difficult thing for us to hear at that stage where we have proof in the market. You know, we've got people that are, are demanding this. We had, I think at that point, $250,000 in pre-orders. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, so revenue, not only did you have revenue and cash coming in, but you had pre-orders that you were needed to fill. Correct. So okay. I mean, you would, you would think, I mean, just pausing right there for a second, you would think so, somebody's going to write you a check. Like you would think somebody's ready to invest right then. 
You would think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would think so. And that's what we thought too. We thought, you know, what else do we have to do here to prove right. yeah. our value here? And wow. How many times were you, all right, right at that stage, were you just pitching on a regular basis? And it's like, all, no, all no, no, all the time. All, all the time. Yeah. Was there, were there, there had to be some nights there where you're like, damn, bro, let's, let's go to the bar. I can't, I, I just got told no, like again, <laughs> like again. You, you start Woo. to question yourself a lot. Oh, um, I, I bet. I bet. Was now you had some revenue. Was cash tight? Were you, were you, let me ask this. If you don't, I don't know how much you want to share. Were you burning cash or were you cash flow positive at that moment? Do you remember? No, we, we were burning cash. Okay. And myself and my co founder were the, the two lowest paid people on the team. I believe it. You're, you pay, you're, you're paying yourself like what, 30 grand, 30 grand a year equivalent or something crazy? Yes, yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you know, we're, we're fighting to make it work. And yeah, there's definitely those nights where you sit back and you're like, you know, Merrill Lynch paycheck every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have, I'm going to guess, I mean, just keeping it real. You wake up a couple of times, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, walk around your living room, kind of, and did you have a few of those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there were plenty of sleepless nights and, and nights where, you know, we'd get on the phone at 2 a.m. and just yell at each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's real. I just want the, I just want the listeners to understand, you know, if you're, if you're trying to start a business, th there are going to be these times. There, there are going to be times where you wake up at 2 a.m. and go, ah, I can't sleep. And how much cash do we have? And what if this happens? And then you look outside and go, is my car still out there? Or did they repossess that? I don't know. <laughs> and you're spending so much time, you know, I, I was in relationships over those periods of time. Oh. And my, you know, my significant other at that point would be, would be so upset that I was spending more time with my co-founder. And it's just, you know, you're spending 24 hours a day with that co-founder or that, hey, CEO, that plus, business partner. Plus you're, yeah. Plus you're telling your, your, your partner, you're like, uh, listen, if I don't, if I, don't get right. this, if I don't get this going, we're not going to have the money to go out to eat next week. So exactly. So, so it becomes a very stress heavy environment Yo, and, absolutely. You know, on you to change that environment and, you know, things don't happen as fast as you want. So, you know, we ended up, you know, going back to market, trying to get more money, couldn't, couldn't find the money. And, and we said, well, there's only one thing we can really do here and that's change direction and focus on, you know, where we see the potential of this business going. Yep. A very very difficult decision. I remember we, we were sitting at the pier down in San Francisco, um, and you know it, it was just one of those decisions where it was like, do we really want to give up five years of learning how to build hardware to take a risk here? And, and ultimately decided it was the only way to go. Uh, and then we had our, our interview with 500 startups a couple of days later, and they loved the new pitch, and so we got into 500 startups. You know, a couple of weeks later. Ah, wow. That's, man, that's a major pivot moment for you. A big time decision yeah. to pivot. Okay. Wow. All right. And given the pivot, we had to let go of three fourths of the staff. So oh. three people uh, building hardware versus building software, you need different skill sets. So yep. took the staff down to three, uh, went through 500 startups in the summer of 2017. Some of those people you had to let go during that early phase right there, had they been with you from the beginning? Had they been with you like? Uh, not not the beginning, but, but okay. near it. Um, we ended up keeping our, the, the, the individual who worked with us the longest, we ended up keeping him, bringing him oh. to San Francisco with us. Good for you. Is he's he still with you? Is he still with you? He is. Yeah, he's, he still is. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, so you pivot. All right, go all right, then, all right, go ahead. Now you, and by the way, 500 startups for the listeners. Can you just tell them? Can you just give us the, like, what, what, why is that a good thing for you? 
Sure. It's, it's one of the premier accelerators in the world, really. Um, and they've got operations all around the world. And so it, it, it's kind of a, a, a market signal that here is a uh, team that has been vetted by 500 startups. Um, yeah. you know, 500 startups is now a big investor in them and they have their network. So it's, it's really a, a sign of we, yep. this, they see potential and it's, it's one of the big thumbs up in the, in the market, especially in San Francisco. So that was a major win. Do you remember when you got the call from them saying, okay, you guys are in, we're going to give you some cash. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you remember where you were probably, you remember the, the yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of those things where, you know, people would think you're celebrating, but we, we kind of sat back and said, well, shit, now we got to get back to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, because when people give you money, it's not long before they go, okay, where are we at? <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we were excited about it, but at the same time, it was like, okay, now this, this vision that we pitched has to become a reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we spent the next six months uh, working out of 500 startups, okay. um, you know, building a team, kind of getting through what product market fit looks like. And just testing a lot, talking to users. And at the time, we had rebranded as TrueFace, and we're focused on selling uh, software, so facial recognition software. How'd you come up with the name True TrueFace.ai was available. That URL was it available. Was. It wow. was. Um, wow. All so right. actually, we, we had a couple workshops on the name, and I, and I think my mom was the one that that threw TrueFace into the mix. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I like it. All right. Cool. So all right, now you're all right. You now you're rebrand. You pivoted. You rebranded, you got a new name, you got some extra cash, you got 500 startups behind you. All right, cool. Now you're starting to breathe a little bit. Yeah, starting to breathe, starting to see, you know, more more of the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I think they really helped kind of provide the resources to us where we could learn rapidly. And, you know, their network, um, I was actually flying to D.C. every every three weeks from that program because we were part of a travel program with Marriott Accenture. Okay. Um, so we got into that kind of simultaneously and said, okay, well, Marriott could be a massive client of ours if, if we nail this. And so, you know, I, I had to, I had to go through that program as well. And, you know, but, then, but now there's no, there's no revenue coming in from the pivot yet, right? Correct. No revenue from the pivot yet. No, no, we, right, we opened right. the, te- we actually opened the technology intentionally for free um, and gave okay. it to developers around the world. I think we had about a thousand developers signed up to use the technology that we're using it. Okay. And our goal there was help us figure out what's broken, um, you know, use it for free, have fun with facial recognition, play with it. And, you know, if we can get the feedback, it's worth it to us. Great. So okay. we ended up doing that and then gating it, uh, meaning we closed it off and made it, you had to pay for it in 2018 and started working on, you know, is there a repeatability that we can find with people who are buying this technology? And if so, where is that? And so we ended up, you know, doing, doing fairly well in, in 2018 in revenue. Um, but oh. it wasn't until 2019 last year, I think we five X our revenue. And are so, you, ca- are you cash flow positive now? You still, can you share that? I, uh, I can't that. I can I can say we're, we do over seven figures in revenue. Good for you, man. Good for yeah. you. Okay. Very okay. Oh, Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So you just got, so it's, Jan, it's, it's late January. You, you, you saw the early uh, financials from 2019. And when you guys got that, that the, when you got that income statement in from 2019, are you like, look at this, bro. We got, we actually, we have a real, we have a real business now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're, we're definitely excited about it, but it, you know, for us, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, you've got to balance the, the excitement with yes. the reality of now. Okay. If we did that last year, we've got to do 
five times that this year. So how do we get there? Are you, so, are you, are you and your founder, are you and your co-founder still in control? Oh, uh, we are. Yes. You are. We are. Yeah. Well, you've taken all, you've, you got all this, this cash and stuff. You guys are still in control. Good for you, man. Thank you, yeah. All right. That, that's, that's, Hey, that's a, that's a major accomplishment. Here you are seven figures. You had to do all that stuff, repivot everything. You got it going on. You're still in control. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. I, I want to talk to you next year this time and see if you're still in control or not. <laughs> no, good, good for you, Sean. That's great. That's a, that's a good for you, man. That's a major accomplishment. Okay. Very good. All right. So now give us like, as of today, give us the, give us the two minute true face overview as it, as it stands today. Yeah. Our, our goal, um, our mission is to teach machines to see like human beings. And okay. so what that means is there's, there are, you know, hundreds of millions, almost a billion cameras in the world right now. And they're just taking in footage. Um, we want to make them intelligent through software. Okay. So we want to be able to index what's in the frame. We want to be able to, to know if that's a car, if that's a person, if that's a cat, we want people to be able to make inferences on the data that they're already collecting a lot faster. So, you know, that's our, our, our primary target is to I do love that. I love that simple overview. That's great. Okay. And nobody's doing that. Nobody there, there are there are other companies that that kind of play in side markets that we're in. Um, it's critical though for us to to maintain this this idea that the only way we advance as society as a society is through the responsible use of this technology. Mm -hmm. We read every day in the paper about the the fear of facial recognition or the fear of what's happening in China. And so, you know, yep. we take a pretty strong stance on who we will work with and who we won't work with um, and, and what use cases will empower and what we won't. So we've said no to people. We've said no to people in other countries that we don't believe are, are within our, our kind of moral bounds. And I, I just think it's really important for the providers of this technology, Trueface being one of them to have those types of stances because yep. Otherwise, we risk that that surveillance state that everyone's worried about, and you know it, it's funny that that people people read about facial recognition and think it's the the most invasive form of of collecting information. And what they don't realize is that your cell phone carrier knows exactly where you go every yeah. single day. Your credit card companies knows you know who you go out to dinner with and what you spend money on. So there's all these these data points, and and you know facial recognition is just a is the identity piece, and then it's the you know how are these correlated, and then you know can you can, can you make decisions based on correlation? So there are three, you know, three kind of verticals here and, and we're just at the, the far left side of the identification piece. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I, I saw some of your other interviews and I, I see this topic all the time. People are, people are, they go, oh, they're kind of nervous about it or whatever. Isn't it fascinating how we decide as a society, what we're going to be nervous about? Isn't that odd, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like you said, the cell phone tracking, my spending, what I say on Facebook, I mean, all this shit's being tracked, like all this stuff's being tracked. But, for some, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but for some reason, we're deciding to be nervous about the facial part. Like, how did we decide? I just, I'm always fascinated how, as a society, we, we decide what, what's going to be important or what we're worried about when, when there's a bunch of other things you could be worried about. Um, okay. I think you follow the money and you, you find out what the narrative <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, I, I was telling my wife, um, uh, Riderflex, we all work from home. Uh, we all work virtually. So I have a little home office here and I was getting a cup of coffee, getting ready for this interview. And she goes, uh, she goes, are you talking to that guy? Are you doing interviewing that guy that did some of that facial stuff? And, uh, <laughs> I said, yeah. And she goes, 
that makes me nervous. So what, what, I, ask him about, are they going to be tracking, you know, she's, she's in one of these, ba- the same thing that you probably get from everybody else. I'm like, Kim, I'm like, will you relax? Like, what, what are you talking about? There's cameras everywhere already. Like, what do you mean? If they wanted to track you, they can track you. That's the <laughs> <laughs> so is your customer, is your customer, what, what military, security companies, who's your target? Talk to us about that. Yeah, t- 2019, we entered the federal market. So we uh, ended up getting awarded two contracts from the Air Force. So you know, that's, Boom. It's, a, it's a big, you know, it's a, it's a big kind of future piece of our business. So we definitely want to dedicate resources to that. Can we celebrate that for a second? Can we just take a pause? Where can you can you give us the short version? Are you where'd you have to where'd you have to fly to pitch that DC? Where, where'd you uh, pitch? So a lot of it was done online. Really? A lot of it was done online, and then you you go through video processes, and you go through it's a couple stage, uh, a couple stages of information. I see. I see. You know, working with with the stakeholders at the Air Force. So you know our. our our ultimate goal there was to make the bases more secure and safer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but that was, the, but I'm just, I'm just, I guess the reason I'm pausing is like those two contracts, like that had to be a major win for you. Right. We were pretty, I mean, we, we still are pretty excited about them. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, because those contracts probably doubled your revenue. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Uh, close to it. It's close to it. Yeah. So th- th- we don't have anyone in our Included in our um, in our revenue, that's over like thirty five percent. Good. Well, that's so we've diversified revenue. Bingo. Uh, we we our internet got choppy there. I want to make sure the listeners heard that. So no no current client, no current customer over thirty five percent. And uh, and and you know what? Uh, kudos to you. And I would try to keep it that way as long as possible because. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you know what happens, right? I don't have to. And for the listeners, maybe we should talk about that. Um, you know. Being a consumer goods guy, which is a different business for a lot of my career before I started Riderflex, uh, I watched people get in bed with, let's say, you know, Walmart. Let's say, you know, all of a sudden, 80% of what they sell is going to one person, one client, and uh, that is dangerous. <laughs> it can be very dangerous. <laughs> you know, so if the Air Force turns into, you know, 90% of your volume, and then one day a general wakes up and goes, we don't want to use him anymore, you're out of business. So you got to be careful, right? Yep. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So the military is one, one section of our business. We're working with um, banks, construction companies, uh, healthcare companies, and, and the, the you know, overall theme there is, is more digital or physical access to reduce fraud. So okay. people that are trying to access a construction site that shouldn't be there, um, people that say they're at a construction site that weren't there, you know, cost those companies a lot of money. Um, in the, the fintech area, verifying the identity of people that are remotely creating accounts. Um, so it's, it's a lot around, you know, identity verification, um, but both in the physical and digital world. Very good. Um, okay. So yeah, you're not going to be, so I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're very conscious and careful and observant about what people think and, and their fears and stuff. And you're, you addressed it here. I've seen you address it on previous, inter- previous interviews. I think you handle that very well. I, I really like how you just put people at ease with that. And I think you're going to have to continue to do it for a while until it becomes commonplace, you know, until it becomes <laughs> when they first started tracking us walking around with these phones, you know, I think people were like, Oh my God, they're tracking me we're, we're with my phone. And now like people don't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen with the facial stuff. Right. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, th there's regulations at, at, at all different levels. Um, and we're, we're for regulation. A lot of people don't understand this is, is we are, we're pro regulation, but we Good. want re regulators to be very informed about the, the potential risks of this technology, but also the benefits of this technology and, and make it a comprehensive decision, not just a knee jerk reaction. Um, and what was really funny or funny to me at least is when the city of San Francisco, um, banned. And I say that in quotes because they didn't actually ban the technology. They made the police agencies have to go through a warrant process to use it. Okay. Um, they, so, you know, they effectively banned it. And what they ended up doing was also unintentionally banning these police officers from using their iPhones to unlock with their face. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Right. It's hilarious, right? Because when, when you make these knee jerk reactions to these situations, um, you end up not thinking through things properly and you're just trying to get something out there. And, and, you know, the reason that, that I laugh about it is because it's something as simple as, well, you didn't think about facial recognition on your phone. You know, that's <laughs> an everyday use for a lot of people. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think, I think people have seen too many Terminator movies. That, that's the problem, right? <laughs> we get Minority Report a lot. They, minority Report. Yeah, that. Minority Report. Minority Report. Terminator. They watch these movies like, oh my God, you know, is Sean going to be the one that we need to send somebody back in time? And like, you know, right. yeah, it's like, come on, man. Come on. I, I think as a society, I, I think we've always done a pretty decent job of making those type of decisions and being careful and i think we probably all, i think we probably will continue to be and so that's great no you haven't had to like go in front of like the senate or the congress or do anything crazy no no we, we've actually tried to get in front of those people um just to to help inform them from an operation operational perspective mm. because when you regulate something and you know nothing about it uh, we saw what happened with social media and and those congressional hearings so that's a, that's a that's a worry to us just because you know we, we don't want this regulation to be done too fast and then limit the upside of this technology for, for good, truthfully. Right. And, you know, if we take our time to make a, a good decision, then, you know, then we're, we're comfortable with it. But again, like I said earlier, there has to be this information share and they have to know the risks. You know, we know the risks better than anyone. And, and we know that the shortcomings of this technology are technology better than anyone. So it, it's important that we have a seat at the table or at least we're involved in the conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure that, you know, oh, let's just say it was banned globally or something crazy. Like you, you probably think, okay, well, if this, if this, if they ever shut this down, we got to come up, we got to, we got to create another company. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't, that's, it's not going to happen. It's not, that's not going to happen. We will continue forward with technology. I just don't think technology will go backwards. I think it'll be used in good ways. So I think what you're doing is, 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 is great stuff. I mean, I, I looked at it all online. I think, I think uh, more people are going to buy it. But like you said, construction, banks, um, whatever, I, you know, the, you're going to have, I think you're going to have lots of business. I think you're only, I think you're my concern. If I were you would just be the competition. Uh, I, I think there's going to be other investors and other companies trying to move fast to make it. Right. I, and, and there definitely are. And we see them pop up all the time. You know, fortunately for us, we've got now, just about seven years of R&D behind us. Um, right, right, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, a lot of this is, is, is stuff that you have to do by trial and error. It's not, you can throw a bunch of money at it and, and get people just to start building. And, and we've seen that happen with some of the bigger companies where they thought they could just build it with a bunch of money. And, and unfortunately, you can't do that. You have to go through the, the trial and error process. So 
you know, being one of the, the top performers across the world, we've got a, a pretty significant advantage there. Um, in, Good. In, in the company. Good for you. How many employees now today? Uh, we're 16 today. Okay. So the other thing we haven't talked about, I want to get into that before we run out of time. You're also a first time CEO and you're leading a company that has 16 employees, which you've never done before. So mm -hmm. as you're also learning how to raise cash and, you know, start a company, you're also learning how to be a CEO all on the fly, right? You're learning it as you go. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. My, my piece of advice there would be to, to surround yourself with people that genuinely care about you. Mm. Um, that's been, you know, during the hard days, no one really knows what you're going through. And so you want to talk to other CEOs who are in your shoes now or who have been in your shoes. Uh, you know, I've got a, a very supportive family. And so, you know, being able to lean on those people has been super helpful. The learning comes, you know, you're going to make mistakes and, and I make mistakes every day. Um, and if I don't learn from them, then that's my problem. But, you know, I, I take self-knowledge and self-education very seriously. And so, you know, there, there are plenty of online tools that, that people can use to learn how to be a CEO, but every CEO is different and every company is different. And so, you know, it, it's really going to be learning on the fly, no matter how much you study for the test, if you will. Isn't that true? Right. I, by the way, you're very humble. You're, you're, you're a humble guy, which I, I, I like, I mean, you, I, if I were an investor, I would feel comfortable in you. And I'm sure that's a, big part of uh, your success is your ability to put people at ease and and say to them they, they say to themselves you know what not only is this a good product but I believe in Sean's approach I believe in his style I would I would trust him with cash um you seem like that kind of guy like it's a solid humble hardworking, well-spoken you know guy that I, I could see where people would want to believe in you and give you money um so kudos on that um um, let me ask you this, just because uh, we're getting close here on our time. Uh, so, if 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 there was two guys uh, living in a, a condo, eating ramen noodles, with an idea, then they're both 22 years old and they're trying to start a business. What what would you tell them? What like some general advice for those two young men? If you if they're listening, what would you say? Tell them to give me a call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say don't be afraid to don't be afraid to ask people for things. Um, one of the things that I was very proactive with was going on on LinkedIn and finding people who I, I thought would be helpful to me in, in my career and reaching out. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't respond, and there's you know you have to respect people's time, so don't just blast people with with you know, kind of cut and paste templates. You need to do your research and figure out what they like and yep. you know, what they could help you with and ask genuine questions. You have to genuinely want to talk to these people. And so I did a lot of that. Um, and, mm. and I got a lot of, lot of people who were just willing to help. And, 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 you know, I think that that reflects on the entrepreneurial society where when you have some success or you've been through it, you, you have this empathy with these people. And for me, you know, I, I want to give back because someone gave to me at that stage in my life. So you know, I would say don't be afraid to reach out. I agree. That's great advice. And you're right. Isn't it fascinating? The entrepreneurial, you know, group or society, whatever, they all just want to help each other. They all, they all are like, hey, yes, call me. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I went through. Um, you're absolutely right. They share. Just by the way, just like you're doing on this podcast, you're just sharing. You're just like, hey, man, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what you probably should or shouldn't do. Or at least I'll tell you what I went through. Um, exactly. yeah, cause people will help you if you'll reach out. I think that is very important. People will help surround yourself with people that can give you advice and listen, 
right? <laughs> That's a critical piece to it. Listen, right? Don't don't be like, oh, I'm 22 and I know everything. No, no. Just ask a lot of questions and listen, and try not to just talk all the time. One of the things I think entrepreneurs make the mistake of early on is because they are so busy selling their idea and pitching for cash and trying to convince people, like, I have a great idea. This is an awesome product. Please let's do this. So they're, they're, they're just talk, talking, 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 because they're constantly selling, selling, selling. And sometimes they forget to be quiet and listen and, and, right. and, get, and get feedback. <laughs> Another piece of that too uh, is one of the things that I had to learn is you get, you know, you get feedback from a lot of people. So you're constantly being taken in a, in a certain direction. And, and I think the, the good CEOs or the good entrepreneurs are people that can, can listen, like you said, take all that information and make the best decision that they want to make. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really important yes. to get different feedback from, from different people and different walks of life and then make your own decision. Absolutely. Yep. Super important. Okay, cool. One last uh, question here and then, uh, and then I'll, I'll stop the recording and just hang on just a second before you disconnect the call. We'll chat uh, on the side. Um, right now, how would you define your core purpose in life? If you had to, if you, if I said, what's your core purpose, Sean? Um, what kind of sentence would you put that in? You know, it's, it's a, it's a very thought provoking question. I'd say say right now it's my purpose is to build genuine relationships. Um, That is something that, that I've, you know, that I've found has value in my life. And so, you know, outside of, of building a company, which, which I love doing, if you can't build a genuine relationship with yourself and with others around you, you know, no one's going to buy anything from you. Um, and so it, it's, you know, for me, that's, that's really where, where things are today. Um, you know, from a, a company standpoint, I'd say it's to make technology trustworthy and, and you that through transparency. So, you know, it's important that, that I get on Riderflex and, and I, you know, I get on other news outlets and, and help to build that transparency about what we're doing. Yeah, and you have, my friend, and you have. I, 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 yeah, I feel, I feel very comfortable. I wish my wife was listening to this. She'd probably be more relaxed too. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations, Sean, on everything. By the way, you know, just for the listeners, um, if there happens to be somebody that's interested in the product or that could be a, a customer, it's TrueFace.ai. TrueFace.ai. Um, any other way you prefer for them to make contact with you, or should they just go to the website and go from there? That's the easiest. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Just type in Sean Moore and, and I should pop up. Okay. There's also some pretty cool videos on YouTube as well. Um, I know you guys have Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and some YouTube stuff. So, okay. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations on everything. I really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex show. Thank you. Thank Good you luck. Me. Good luck as you guys move along. Thanks. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.